0: Welcome to the Thinking Tree podcast, a production of Ecoholics Private Limited. Ever found yourselves entangled into the web of economic concepts? They are pretty freakish, to be honest. But if you don't understand how it works, then you should definitely keep listening. Thinking Tree brings to you the best minds from the world of economics to talk about the current matters of importance and the freakish way in which they affect our lives. The show is strictly for educational purposes. The opinions expressed on the show are personal to the individuals appearing in the show and not those of Thinking Tree Ecoholics Private Limited. The show is not intended to offend or defame any individual entity caste community race or religion or to denigrate any institution person living or dead. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hello and welcome to Ecoholics Thinking Tree series. Today we have with us very eminent personality and a well known bureaucrat of government of India Dr. Arvind Mayara he is currently as a Vice-Chairman of Rajasthan Economic Transformation Advisory Council and former Finance Secretary, Government of India. He is well known for his Arvind Mayaram panel on Rationalizing FDI and FI. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Trade is one of the most important factors of an economy, more today than ever, because of the ever-growing consumer demand. It is rightly said that... In the race to become a world superpower, trade will be the deciding factor. So today we will discuss about the challenges in India's external trade, external sector, and trade with him. To begin with, sir, uh, do you think that India's trade policy is more focused on reducing the absolute value of imports rather than reducing the net import?
1: Uh, I would not say that the trade policy is uh, uh, has been designed in that manner. Our trade policy has been designed to create a balance between the exports and imports. Uh, Obviously, we are very import dependent country. Some imports are, of course, inelastic, for instance, petroleum uh, products, uh, which are inelastic. We also have a huge demand, for instance, for import of gold, because of a particular kind of genius of our people who have uh, a great uh, fondness for gold yes, uh, and so therefore that also becomes a big import uh, item uh, but then we are also dependent on import of raw material, inter- import of intermediates, import, import of components for our own manufacturing and uh, our own uh, requirements. Yes. Uh, having said that, we have also been trying to uh, push exports for a fairly long time. Unfortunately, in the last couple of years, uh, the emphasis on export uh, for some reason uh, got weakened and our exports started declining in a big way. One, of course, was that there was also a global uh, headwind on that uh, uh, because of uh, issues like the trade wars between China and US. And then there was also this... uh, embargo against iran so a lot of our export and imports from iran were affected so there there have been global issues uh, usas uh, clear defiance of international commitments uh, even to uh, organizations like wto yes uh, the emergence of regional uh, uh, you know treaties in trade at the expense of multilateral uh, wto commitments mm-hmm bilateral treaties which have also started superseding WTO arrangements. So a lot of these began to happen and in this process of course, uh, we were not nimble footed enough to be able to find uh, space for ourselves and play the games according to the changing uh, rules of international trade and our exports began to decline in a very big way. Unfortunately, now with this new emphasis on Atmanirbhar Bharat which has just been uh, expounded by government of India, it appears that we are going to get into a much greater protectionist uh, kind of of, uh, opposition and uh, we will now begin to look at more and more uh, import substitution which used to be India's trade policy before 1991 and uh, and when we were very closed and because of which we also suffered a lot i think we lost uh, almost 30 years in comparison to china to yes. be able to uh, to create uh, a strong economy for the country
0: yes sir what do you think sir it is a fault of like we have very narrow base of our export items so does it affect india's uh, export performance abroad
1: I think it happened uh, this way, that for the longest period of time, uh, and if you remember, I don't know, you are very young, but I do remember from uh, the times when I used to be young,
2: uh,
1: that uh, there used to always be this this, uh, one particular category in India, which we used to buy, go out and buy, which was labeled as export quality. Yes. So, which clearly meant that everything else that was being sold in India was sub sub quality, because it it was not exportable in terms of international standards. And we developed a whole slew of industries and production in India because of protectionism, which uh, unfortunately seemed to be creeping back into where we created uh, inefficient uh, and uh, not quality conscious. Production, yes. uh, which became uh, what was available to India. the the classic uh, uh, The classic symbol of these were ambassador cars, which yes. never changed. I mean, yes. except for some minor cosmetic changes on top, the grill was changed or otherwise for close to forty years, yes. and we, we had to keep buying those uh, cars because uh, we believed that we needed to do import substitution, and therefore these were. Swadeshi cars, and we had to buy this. Yes, yes. yes. So, uh, so we have had this in our psyche as Indians. We have never been very quality conscious. Yes. Uh, and we have always believed that quality is only for niche. So, if very rich mm-hmm. people are there, they can buy a quality stuff, mm-hmm. which you can be imported from outside, and uh, etc. But in India, we will be selling, uh, you know, products which are uh, not going to be of that high quality. Now, you can see that in India, when we produce a shirt that for instance, the shirt you are wearing yes. will cost not less than a thousand or 1200 rupees. Yes. But Bangladesh can produce a better quality than this for 400 rupees and export it. Yes. So they have been able to inculcate that mind quality uh, mindset. Vietnam has been able to do it. Philippines has been able to do it. Indonesia has been able to do it. But in India, we have not been able to uh, do it no. because we have always had this great pride in Aatma And therefore, we uh, had this very false pride in ourselves that we can do everything ourselves. We don't need anybody else. Yes. So that is why our trade has always suffered. External yes. exports have all, and therefore the basket is narrow.
2: That's right. Jewelry,
1: but jewelry also of the uh, the uh, the second grade.
0: Second grade, yes. That raw gold we import, actually.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. not just that, but even uh, even if you look at uh, diamond cutting and polishing.
2: Yes.
1: The one we do is the cheaper variety. Yes. The higher valued uh, diamonds are cut in Antwerp or in Tel Aviv, mm. but not in India. Yes. So we have never been able to reach the heights of you know top class uh, production and that cannot happen unless we do that production for domestic purposes because the scale comes from there yes you know yes. you can only have economies of scale, of
2: scale yes.
1: if you are producing for mass consumption in india of the quality which perhaps you could sell to usa yes if the same quality you are selling in india for the same price yes then you will be able to become internationally competitive otherwise you will not I don't think we have made much concerted effort to move in that direction.
0: Yes. Since you were talking about China, uh, when we study uh, the case of China, it became the favorite destination for companies, especially needing mass manufacturing because of the competitive market, cheap land, labor, capital, and various other things. Out of those, India recently has offered a corporate income tax rate cut. Do you think we are equipped to make use of the opportunity afforded to us by the trade war and the subsequent COVID crisis in China.
1: Here again I would say yes. we have always made this great mistake of yes. thinking that the risk of doing business in India which comes from regulatory risk, which comes from political risk, which risk. comes from risk of red tape, yes. which comes of Weakness in uh, enforcement of contracts. Yes. We believe that we can offset it by giving monetary uh, incentive. Yes, yes, yes. So the good. state governments also, if you go and see, they will provide, uh, you know, uh, subsidy, capital investment subsidies are given, yes. or the concessional land is given.
2: Yes.
1: We do all these things to think that it can offset. But the transaction cost of an inefficient system including inefficient infrastructure is very high. So if your quality of power that you are supplying is going to be poor or the certainty of getting 24 into 7, good quality power is not available to you, then the risk of that a variable, and therefore you need to have hundred percent backup because you don't know when there'll be power cut. You don't know where the power, uh, you know, uh, the cycle will drop. Yes. So you need to have stabilizers to stabilize power because there is a lot of variation Structural. in the power, fluctuation in the power. Then your roads are you don't know whether the roads are going to be good or bad. You don't know how regulation will work. One problem in India is that we make all kind of regulations, but the interpretation of those regulations is with lower level bureaucracy, which interpreted uh, in a manner, which becomes either rent seeking or yes. it which becomes obstructionist. Yes. So we have this major problem. Uh, we had in fact in Rajasthan, what we did was last year when I joined here also as an advisor. Yes. The chief minister was very keen that we should do something to improve our investment climate. And there was a lot of talk about single window and make it more effective and we should do, you know, the time taken for approval should be reduced, etc. I told him these things don't work. Yes. And he agreed to experiment with something which I in my opinion is going is a is a paradigm shift in the manner in which you look at it, at things. So in Rajasthan, we brought in MSME Facilitation Act okay. because you must remember that for large industries, the state governments have very little say. Because so yes. they are governed by the IDR Act yes. of Government of India. Yes. But for MSMEs, uh, what the government of Rajasthan has done is they have said from the date of registration and the registration is simple, which is you just file a registration on the portal and artificial intelligence in two minutes gives you a registration certificate. So there is no interface with any human being. And then once you have done that, from the date of your registration, for a period of three years, you do not require any prior approval from government, state government, under state government laws, from any government department, which means you don't have to go anywhere. You can start your activity on day one, business activity, And no government inspector will visit the unit for three years. Oh, that's great. So, you can, you know, you can, uh, so if you're an MSME, you're a startup, you want to experiment, you want to try it out, it may work, it may not work. I'm not saying that 100% of registrations will be successful. Yes. Let's say only 20% will be. Because 80% people will try and they may fail. Yes. Which is all right, because that is the risk they take. But that risk is not on account of a regulatory risk. They will not fail because for six months, their application was pending in a state government department, yes. while they were paying salaries or they were paying rent and or yes. they were paying electricity bills and therefore they just could not uh, do their business. Yes. That will not happen. Yes. So this law is in force today. And after three years, they get a six months cure period to do all their compliance. Yes. Now we wrote to government of India, the chief minister wrote to the prime minister saying that at least for MSMEs, under all central laws, give the same, same kind of dispensation.
2: Yes,
1: Fortunately, that has not happened. Yes. Whereas the government of India keeps talking about improving, what is that ease of doing business.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: single not window Better ease of doing business instead of saying how much time it takes for land allotment, how much time does it get to get a permit. We are saying you don't need any of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You buy land and we have also uh, these conversion rules. So you don't even have to go anywhere. You, for, if you buy, agric- you have an agriculture land, you want to convert up to a certain uh, 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 plot size. You can get, have it con- converted by just filing money in the uh, the conversion uh, rate into mm-hmm. the bank account of the government and you can start working. You don't have to go anywhere. now. If we can create that kind of situation for all industries, and I would say the only prior approval that should be asked for should be pollution. Yes. If you have orange or red category industry, you need to get prior consent of the pollution control board because we need to protect the environment. Yes. But other than that, you don't need any prior approval. You should not. Yes. And your and then over a period of time, we are looking at, I mean, we are looking at the movement for MSMEs under state laws, whether we can reduce the number of approvals or inspections required by 50, at least 50%, if not more. Yes. So we need to move in that direction. If you really want investment in India, we have to cut, cut out the regulatory jungle that we have created around investments.
2: Yes.
0: so that
1: people can come and do business easily yes. without much problem.
0: Yeah, indeed, that's a great solution, sir, because it's not about the monetary terms, it's about all the facilities. Yes. I may get a tax relief,
2: Yes.
1: but if I have to continue to pay 10 rupees or 12 rupees per unit power because I'm running a diesel generator, seriously, I
0: lose that money in any case. So why should I go to a... Place where you have these
2: problems. Yeah.
0: Ultimately industry or the firms will lose the competitiveness in the, yes. uh, in the world market. That's yes, true. Indeed. That's true. Yeah, according to the former RBI Governor Dr. C. Rangarajan, uh, besides improving the competitiveness of our export, new markets must be explored. The direction of trade must shift towards countries which are growing faster. However, according to a report by Trade Promotion Council of India that I was reading the main export markets for India are USA, UAE, uh, China, Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, Germany, Mexico, Netherlands, Bangladesh. What are your thoughts on this?
1: See, one thing we need to develop new markets. There's no doubt about it. And therefore, uh, we need to continue to scan the environment. To yes. see where the opportunities are arising yes.
2: Uh,
1: and we have to be nimble footed as i said we cannot sit back and take our own time uh, doing things we need to move faster uh, we need to also facilitate exports uh, by again reducing the compliances for exporters yes. and, uh, and may, well, you know improving considerably the export infrastructure uh, which also requires a lot of improvement in India, I mean turnaround time for ships, for ships and other things, these require a great improvement, yeah. so we need to do that, but we must remember one thing that we will have to continue to sell to countries which can buy, now there was a huge promise of BRICS, uh, nations like you know but Brazil, uh, India, China, uh, Russia and okay. South Africa, but uh, we have seen that ever since uh, 2000, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, uh, last three or four or five years, all the BRICS countries have come into deep trouble. Yes. Their own economies are floundering. Yes. Unfortunately, because we have not really reached that level of resilience like the US economy, which goes down deeply and then suddenly rises up very quickly again. <laughs> We, because we have not reached that level of resilience, it is difficult for us to not depend on these countries, which are higher consumption countries than yes. countries which run into trouble very quickly. Yes, And with the Atmanirbhar in place, I believe most other countries will also move towards our Atmanirbhar, in which case we will find it difficult to open new, area, uh, new uh, markets, especially in countries who are, uh, developing or who are which are still emerging market economies because of their internal domestic politics as well as economic compulsions yes. so we to be able to export a lot to those countries to my mind in the short run seems difficult
0: Yes, yes. if we talk about uh, crisis in India i have personally observed that government does everything possible to protect the consumer the best example that i can find is the onion price rise in 2019 and again in sorry 2013 and again in 2019 several steps were taken by the government to check rising prices of onion including ban on exports imposition of stock limit uh, and import and transfer of onions from surplus to deficit area Uh, the farmers were also incentivized to grow onions This was probably not very well thought out as far as I consider, because though it stabilized prices initially, it later led to flooding of markets with the onions, uh, which had to be sold by the farmers at a price way lower than the cost price. Do you think that our decision making lacked the farsightedness and proper analysis if we talk about onion market, export market in the other countries as well?
1: See once again, the problem in Indian policy making is that we are caught between moving towards free economy yes. and a closed command economy yes, and we are caught between those two. yes. Uh, and I don't blame politicians so much for that alone yes. because I think our society also is riven between these two. Yes. We are in the true sense in our, our transitional society today yes. because whereas you have a large number of people, say four, three, four, five hundred million people which are now really middle class, yes. which are consuming people who demand mm-hmm. goods and services and are have the capacity to pay,
2: Yes,
1: uh, but you have also close to 600 million people I mean, 500, more than 500 million people who would still be either below poverty line or just above poverty line. Yes. And the interest of these two segments are diabet- uh, diametrically opposite. Yes. Whereas the poor would want the prices to be controlled, they, that the availability should be, at, affordability should be kept in mind when you see what how the prices are. Therefore, food inflation is the first thing that hits people because you can't eat. I yes. mean, that's the things are all right, but you should be able to eat uh, at a, you know, in, at a pro- in a proper manner. And whereas on the other side, you have uh, people like us who then demand better quality. Uh, you know, even willing to pay higher price for better quality. We don't want uh, you know everything to be leveled at the you know at the lowest le- denominator where you know the quality is poor and
2: what yes. so
1: will happen. So I think we are transitioning and therefore we live with this ambivalence. Yes. Now in India, one of the things we could do because we are, for instance, the largest producers of tropical fruits and vegetables in the world, also of course consumers. Yes. And we have, uh, we lose, I mean there are different estimates, nobody has real estimate, but Estimates vary between 15% to 30% of the produce is lost before it reaches the market.
2: Oh.
1: Now, this happens because poor poor uh, storage, yes.
2: uh,
1: You know, poor uh, infrastructure, cold storages are not available. So, pe- And these are perishable. So they perish. So now you can imagine if even if not 30%, even if 20% of the wastage was saved, how much resource would be available in the hands of the farmer? Seriously, And the prices would be much lower. Yes. But we have not been able to deal with this problem in a real significant way. Although every government has done, I would say, including the government, uh, current government, has done uh, a lot towards building infrastructure, but the scale and the size of the problem is such, that it requires something like the Swachh Bharat kind of a commitment of the government yes. to create that kind of infrastructure to be able to uh, save the produce in that manner. Yes. Number two, the because of this volatility in policies, we have not been able to develop a forwards market. Mm. Now we could export a lot of our, uh, with, you know, agri-products. Uh, uh, we could also attract a lot of agri uh, businesses into India because of food uh, processing industries and others. But the problem is that because we don't have a futures market in commodities, which is a strong market, and because government steps in any time and you know puts bans and yeah. all kinds of things, therefore that market has not developed. There is no certainty of prices for anyone to build a business model around it. Yes. If I want to do a potato chips factory, unless I can predict what the prices of potatoes will be in the next three to five years, I don't know what kind of profits I will make every year. So I don't know what kind of investment I should be making this year. Yes. That predictability does not exist. We keep talking about, we have a big, huge uh, food, you know, kind of agri food processing. Uh, parks, we have come up with a lot of schemes and programs, yes. but we are missing the first point, which is how do you create a predictable raw material market for food processing industry
2: yes.
1: without the agriculture futures market yes. and the entire infrastructure, which should be built for that futures market.
2: Yes.
1: So we are not able to do that. So I think there is a problem. Uh, and once again, if we are moving towards a free market, then we should be able to encourage the indian traders or have create uh, intermediaries like the food corporation of india buys uh, the wheat yes for, to support prices yes you can have import channel, uh, channelization for goods like onions etc for short periods of time yes to create uh, you know to tide over shortages And then, but allow exports in my opinion, even if there was an onion shortage, but if it was a, there was a commitment for export of onions, we should not stop it. Instead, Mm -hmm. we should fill in that through import of onions. Yes. So that our export uh, supply chains don't get disrupted. Yes. But then there is a huge amount of political pressure. There is a huge amount of UN cry uh, and then the, and of course, uh, because these are elected governments, they buckle under p- uh, public opinion uh, yes. and policies become volatile. So mm-hmm. I think unless we reach a state where governments can create long-term policies
0: and stick with them. Yes, it means uh, the predictability is important. Predictability is very important. Yes, yes, indeed. For the investor point of view as well as yes. for yeah,
1: consumers. Even buyer, even buyer. The, uh, imp- the person who imports in other countries your goods, predictability yes. is a critical part
0: because otherwise we lose the market because suppose some African countries importing onions and we suddenly stop that export and their uh, uh,
1: internal uh, trade gets disrupted yes yes, yes. they cannot afford that because that creates political problems for them nice. so they will rather not go to India to buy and go to China because in China their policies will be more predictable
0: predictable yes Seamless. yes uh, talking about a huge slump in the oil prices has occurred recently because of ongoing pandemic. How can India make best use of this opportunity? Unfortunately, we have lost
1: that uh, opportunity because I don't think the slump is on account of pandemic. Yes. We have seen in the last six years India was uh, you know, blessed with a very benign international crude oil price. Seriously, uh, seriously, at one point of time, if you remember, two years or three years ago, the price has been down as low as thirty-five dollars.
2: Thirty-five, thirty.
1: Yes. Of course, now they have, they have dropped to almost zero. But uh, at at different points of time, yes. but but I think we ha- we had that benefit even earlier. Now that point of time, the government also wisely did not reduce the excise duty. Mm. So there was a windfall revenues from oil for the government.
2: Yes.
1: I think that was a time when the government missed out on uh, a major reform that they could have done. For for instance, building up resilient infrastructure. They could have built up, like I was just mentioning to you about agro-business infrastructure, coal storages, coal chains, uh, warehousing, uh, modern warehousing, technology driven
2: warehousing.
1: We don't even have... uh, silo, um, uh, you know, kind of driven uh, wheat storage for our own uh, buffer uh, stocks. Yes. And that's why we hear tons and tons of wheat going waste or rats eating it up and there's no account of it because it just lies in the open or in the go-downs in a very unscientific way. Meaning you should have used that money to modernize our infrastructure to be able to reap benefit from it and for the 4 5 years when we were getting that huge additional revenue yes. that money could actually have been dedicated to creating infrastructure similarly in the power sector for instance yes if in the power sector we are always are all our reforms are driven by loans so we had Uday one where the state uh, state uh, discoms yes. uh, uh, debt was transferred to the state governments the state governments uh, on uh, immediately went into red. Their own books got, uh, you know, completely uh, shaded uh, just to clean up the books of the discom. But after four years, three years, we are coming back to the square one because yes. again the discoms are building up regulatory assets and they don't have money to pay. Yes. So the, the the again this time, the government of India has said we will. Provide 90,000 crores under the economic revival package. 90,000 crores of uh, of uh, debt to the discoms, and that is being touted as a reform.
0: That is seriously. I,
1: I don't think it is sustainable. Yes, seriously. What they, what should have been done was to create a large, uh, you know, transition fund of about 40, 50,000 crores or 100,000 crores, they should have put as a, a, a fund, whereby they should have told the state governments that once they start giving subsidy through the budget and cross subsidies are abolished. Yes. And it becomes mandatory for the regulators to declare without being asked to, to declare tariffs every year based on their own market intelligence and public hearings. The government of India could have said that for a period of next 10 years, in a reducing manner, the subsidies that you provide through your budget will be compensated by the government of India. And so slowly that would have been absorbed, the state governments would have started reducing because subsidies they cannot give when they do cross subsidies and this is one of the things why if you sell industrial power at eight rupees a unit, again you will not attract investors yes. who want to be internationally competitive because the price of energy abroad may be one third or one fourth of the price we are charging here.
2: Yes.
1: Which is a which goes into cost of the product. Cost of the product. So we we are not we never looked at it like this. We have not tried to clean up the books yes. in that yes. and therefore, I think they have missed that opportunity. Uh, and I don't see now with COVID, although their prices have come down. Uh, so our import bill has reduced considerably,
2: yes.
1: but I don't see uh, that helping very much because overall revenues of the government have gone down from GST and others because yes. of COVID and also because of destruction of consumption which in my opinion started happening after, immediately after demonetization, triggered by demonetization, has continued till now and has now further got exacerbated by the COVID. Yes. So uh, without demand, uh, government revenues are going to go further down. I think the estimate is that fiscal deficit in any case for the government of India will touch close to 10%, oh
2: uh,
1: which is going to be I mean, huge. You should sure.
2: understated, but it's
0: huge. Yes, yes. Uh, so the era of globalization is way past us and nation first is apparent new tendency of countries in the world. What according to you is the relevance of World Trade Organization in these times?
1: I would not say that uh, uh, that globalization is behind us. I would say it's a temporary evolution.
2: Yes.
1: When you move in a particular direction, see life never looks back at We may continue to dream of Ram Raj or some such thing in the past, but life never moves backwards. Life always must move forward. So nations also move only forward, they don't move backwards. Globalization has produced certain energy and there has been a major transformation even in domestic. Uh, institutions and structures in a manner, it is difficult to rewind and go back to the previous time. Yes. So we will see this aberration which is, uh, uh, which will last them uh, maybe a year, two years, three years, who knows maybe just till the uh, November of this year in US because of the US elections. Yes. Because protectionist protectionism is being driven by mostly by US. Yes. So suppose it changes in the U S you will see a reversal of the trend uh, all yes. over the world. Uh, we are already seeing a reversal of a trend. I, and it's, it's a, it's something which people must begin to look at the, uh, the backlash against racism, yes. which is the right wing swing, which had happened all over the world, starting with the U S Yes, it appears is now the pendulum has started swinging back because uh, the the agitation against uh, racism in US is now spread to very large number of countries in Europe. Yes. So there is a backlash already happening. So I think this this is an aberration we should see. Yes. Uh, and we will be returning to globalization. I am very certain of that.
2: Yes,
0: because for India's interest, globalization has been... Very is, is, uh, is very good. Chinese interest as well. So it means if two the largest population countries are having interest in globalization. Yes, because, yes, yes. yes the convergence
1: of interest
0: there. Yes, yes. Very great point, sir. India had strong reasons for saying no to RCEP, Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership. However, there is no denying the fact that joining RCEP would also have brought a huge load of opportunities. Is there a way for India to take benefit uh, from RCEP while also protecting the domestic interest?
1: See, these are geopolitical issues. Yes. And uh, therefore, it, there is no easy answer to this. Yes. Certainly, uh, it's always useful to join as many regional formations as we can because it opens up some new door or the other. Yes. But the, the balance that the government has to always keep is that by joining one, uh, uh, and opening one door, will two other doors be closed? Mm. And I think that balance is something which the government has to continue to uh, continue to have in mind. And therefore, I don't uh, say that not joining R C D P was uh, a wrong decision. Uh, it I think it was a well thought out decision. Yes.
2: Uh,
1: but uh, certainly, we must keep our eyes and ears open and see. Because see, global uh, developments are very rapid and their changes are very rapid. And when the fortunes change, today's enemies become tomorrow's friends Mm -hmm. and tomorrow's, I mean, uh, today's enemies, uh, friends will become enemies tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We just don't, uh, in, in international affairs, this happens all the time. Yes. As long as we can remain ahead of the curve, we would be safe. Yes. But if we are not nimble-footed and we are not smart enough to remain above ahead of the curve, then it we will certainly our interest will get hit.
0: Yes, yes, because yes, international trade is all about the interest. So yes. right now we are having the interest with maybe other countries, so we can move on. Uh, since a small question, supplementary question about RCEP, India is having FTA with ASEAN countries. It's about the milk production with Australia and New Zealand and especially the import deficit or the trade deficit that we have with China. So how can India put its interest to promote services in uh, RCEP grouping?
1: So we need to see, this is a a problem with uh, most of the trade uh, agreements. Every country, and therefore what happens is that countries who have already moved much ahead in development and their cost of production is much lower, yes uh, and as i mentioned to you they have already uh, gone beyond the problems that we have here in terms of transaction costs yes they always find these uh, treaties very useful for opening new markets
2: yes
1: but there are certain areas where we have competitive advantage and uh, for instance certain type of services where we will need to put the same kind of uh, you know the same kind of position in, in these organizations to be able to get the benefit of it. So we, you, it is always a give and take. You yes. withhold something that you don't give to them till the time that they are willing to give to you. Yes. So I think that, but that, that they keep doing. And I'm very sure the government of India must be okay. working on it. This, this uh, There is no easy solution and these are not something which happen in a short time. So many times it takes a long period of time before these things get you know, unraveled.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Indeed, it was a very wonderful session with you, sir. It's an honor to have you here. At last, a few words of encouragement for our initiative, Ecoholics.
1: No, I'm very happy that you are doing this. And uh, and one of the things is that it can reach out to a lot of people. but just keep it affordable so that even those who are not uh, very well-to-do are able to benefit from it. So that more and more people can benefit from it. One of the things which I think uh, is happening in, is unfortunately happening is because of very rapid expansion of education, we don't, are not getting quality teachers yes, all the time. Yes, yes. And uh, therefore, uh, it is the, the teachings that are happening in the classrooms may not be the most comprehensive ones. Yes. And you could become uh, you know, an additional input to the students. Uh, by bringing in people who may have knowledge in their areas and uh, who could uh, you know make the students think uh, laterally in a different way than what they read in the textbooks. So it's a very good uh, uh, you know effort you are making and I hope uh, I, I wish you great success.
0: Thank you sir. Our team is working hard to provide quality economics that is understandable for the laymen and the students once again thank you so much sir it was a very informative very wonderful eye-opening discussion and it's a real world discussion because you were the part of the government as does the, the uh, my ram panel the most famous i heard about it because i was reading very much in the newspaper during 2014 2013 so that's great to have you sir again thank you so much for accepting the invitation you were listening to the thinking tree podcast powered by Ecohonics private limited For more information, visit www.ecoholics.in